Hey everybody, I'm Sasha Feiler. I'm Stephen Cohen. And this is... Shut Up, I Love It! A podcast where our guests come on to champion a part of culture that's underrated and or underappreciated. Joining us today, he is a game designer. He worked at Disney EA, and I've been told to say that he also worked at Nexon. Very important. Very important. Uh, He has his own iPhone puzzle game that he designed and created all by himself called Zero Sum that I am in. And he's also a writer who co-created and wrote This Isn't Working, a web series for ABC Television's digital division, which may or may not exist. It doesn't. It does not exist anymore. But I think his strongest credit and the one that he should be most proud of and probably should have included in this bio that he provided us is that he's a member of the improv team Direct to Video. Which Stephen and I are on Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. I did forget (laughs) Welcome, Sean Kearney. Sorry about that. Welcome, Sean. How are you today? Feeling a little guilty, to be honest. You should be. (laughs) I really did forget. It was in the back of my head. You just Uh, feel like because you never got paid for being on an improv team, you don't want to mention it in your bio? Oh, I didn't get paid for half the things you mentioned. (laughs) Sasha, have you ever gotten paid for doing improv? Nope. Proud to say I have never been paid for that. I only do it out of love. What about you, Steven? Yeah, I don't think so. I think you would have remembered if you were. It's yeah. pretty I guess deal. maybe like on like a shoot, maybe I've improvised. Oh, well. Do we count that? I don't I, know. I've improvised when I had to say why I was absent during editing a reality show for three hours because I went to yoga or an improv practice and then I came back. True. I improvise at work all the time. Anyway, back to our guest, Sean Kearney. Yeah. What are you doing here today? Yeah, why are you here? I heard there was free weed. This may or may not be true, (laughs) although we are proudly sober and clean at this second. Yeah, we don't do drugs right now. Uh, Sean, (laughs) what are we talking about today? I suppose that we would be talking about the band Counting Crows. You go to hell, yeah, the comet is coming between. Tell us a little bit about why you like Counting Crows. So I've been thinking about this for at least days since you guys said, think of a thing and come on and talk about it. And I think a a part of the reason I'm a fan, a big part, is probably nostalgia. I got into them when I was a junior high, high school, mopey, little emo kid. And they were kind of the, at least for me, they were the precursor to emo music where it was you know, electric guitars and songs about girls breaking your heart. And just for those listeners who are not familiar with the band, Counting Crows first came onto the scene in the early 1990s as sort of this alternative pensive rock band. Adam Durwitz and David Bryson were the first uh, two founding members. That actually is right. I do know that. Thank you for confirming. (laughs) And the song that made them famous was Mr. Jones, which is about Adam and his friend wanting to become famous rock stars. And that's the one that really took off in like 1993 or 1994. Sean, can you sing a little of that for us? Acapella? Was down at the New Amsterdam. Stand at this yellow haired girl, Mr. Jones, strikes up a conversation. With a black haired flamenco dancer. 
Great. Um, thank you for that. I never heard of Counting Crows because I am a foreigner person that wasn't here in the 90s. And I just researched them for the purpose of this podcast. And they did remind me of R.E.M. Man on the moon. I could see that. So I grew up here in LA and, but Los Angeles, Los Angeles, but my family's from Chicago, from the Midwest. And in the Midwest, there's a programming of music for like radio stations called, I think it's called double A. And I don't know why it's called double A because it's adult contemporary, but it's, it's a style like out here. I feel like there's really just like rock and hip hop and there's classic rock and modern rock and then hip hop and country and pop. But Counting Crows and R.E.M. and what else? Bands like that all kind of fall under this sort of genre of music that they really don't play on the West Coast for some reason. There's not a place where you can just listen to those bands, Blues Traveler. So they ended up on these weird, like, K-Rock out here, which is like a big rock station would every once in a while play a Counting Crows song, but the majority of where I would see them was on VH1. They were like the VH1 band, and I think so is like an R.E.M. or something like that, where it's not super heavy, but it's also not pop music. Well, there are Jaguars in Mexico. farther south than I'll ever go Did you fall in love with Counting Crows from seeing their videos or from listening to their music first? So I do remember the first song I heard Mr. Jones was the first song I heard. I really liked it. I was pretty young though. So in 93, I think I was 10. No, I was 9. So I was 9 years old, but my I had an aunt who was probably eight years older. No, she was probably like 10 or 15 years older than me, but she was like still younger. She was in her twenties and she was way into them. And I heard them with her. And I remember her like distinctly giving me a tape of them that she had just kind of recorded off of a CD. And that was right. with us. Uh, She's not in this room, but she is alive. Good. Because it just feels like it's a very important person created this opinion, you know, of this band for you. This connection between you. Yeah, but I wouldn't. So I really liked that song, but I didn't get the album until like years later. I had her tape. That would be August and Everything After, which is their first record. Which people on Reddit seem to love mostly. And then especially they like to abbreviate it. Now, Sasha, did you go to specifically a Counting Crows subreddit? I did. I, I did my research. Right. That's generally how I approach things. Here's what happened. I listened to a bunch of songs on YouTube and I watched the videos. Yeah, Sean then... told us to listen to three albums. Their first three. The first three, which are the one you just said. August and Everything After, Recovering the Satellites, right. which I really enjoyed. And then the one that really hooked me on them, This Desert, Desert Life. Life. Which is where Hanging Around is yeah. on that album. Hanging around this town. I've been falling around this town all corner. I've 
has the least amount of singles. It came out, I think, in 99 or 2000. I think it's 1999. And then I started listening to it. I got it at a used record store in 2000. I was a sophomore in high school. And that summer, I got, I think it was mono. I never got tested for it, but I was had basically like strep throat for six weeks or two months. And I couldn't talk. Like I could, I had like a really hoarse voice. And I sat around at home. I didn't have like a ton of friends and I listened to the shit out of that album. Important question. Yeah. Did you get mono from your high school sweetheart slash now wife? No. Ooh, Randy, Ooh. don't listen to this. <laughs> no. I did not. I don't know how I got it because I think you can get it from other things, right? Yeah, right. I licked doorknobs. Randy, believe us. You can get it from other things. But yeah, but that's, I think, like that was the album that hooked me on him. And I think I was, because I was this like moody sort of teenager and like, you could kind of connect to a guy like Adam Duritz, I feel like, because he was, you know, he liked to write his poetry and kind of mope. And then, but he dated... Courtney uh, Cox. Courtney Cox. Jennifer Aniston, too. He dated yes. two of the wow. friends. But like not he, your friend, Lisa Kudrow. But not Lisa Kudrow, no. It may or may not be uh, Sean Courtney's friend. Uh, she is not at all. <laughs> oh, that I was never before we recorded, her. huh? Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that that was part of it is like, I just, you know, like I had these feelings. And when you listen to the music or the, you listen to the lyrics now, they are a little corny. But I don't know. When you're like 14 or 15 and full of hormones and moping about girls, it's like, yeah, put an electric guitar behind my feelings. Wasted in the afternoon Waiting on the train I woke up in pieces and Elizabeth Disappeared again Speaking of lyrics, I was just going to say that Counting Crows is famous, apparently. Period. Counting Crows is famous, apparently. (laughs) For mixing up their lyrics constantly. So Adam Dorvitz behind Counting Crows often sing songs with completely different lyrics, and it's just something their fans do obsess over. What is your take on that? That is true. So I saw them live once. Was it very recent? No, no, no. It was on the tour for This Desert Life. I actually, I went alone. I had bought tickets to go see. It was Counting Crows and the band Live. I thought Live was all right, but I loved the Counting Crows. And Who I was opening. So it was one of those where technically there were no openers. They each played a full set, but right, I think but Counting played Crows played first. first. Wow. But I think they switched it constantly. But no, so they, I had bought tickets with a friend of mine, a girl, Courtney. And not Courtney Cox. Not Courtney Cox. Is Courtney who you got mono from? No. I had bought tickets with her and we were going to go together and it was in Irvine at a venue that I believe doesn't exist anymore. It was called Irvine Meadows. It became the Verizon Wireless Amphitheater. And to be clear, you grew up in what part of Los Angeles? So I was in the valley in like West Hill. So it was about an hour and a half away. It's about 90 minutes away. That's a trek. And I did not have a driver's license. So my mom was going to drive Courtney and I all the way out to Irvine. Strangely enough, my aunt Pam, who had introduced me to County Crows, lived out in Irvine. She, so wasn't she was going to go the out show? to dinner. Nope. Wow. She was going to go out to dinner and then she was going to come and pick pick us up. And the week before the show, Courtney broke her ankle or something. She Ooh. broke something and couldn't go to the show. And I couldn't find anybody because, I mean, 
even in like the 10th grade, there weren't a ton of Counting Crows. Like everybody was like an Eminem fan. And I was like, I got tickets to Counting Crows and live. And nobody wanted to go out to Irvine. And so I went alone and sat and perfectly enjoyed it and thought it was a great show. Emotionally speaking, Yes. What is it that you do like about Counting Crows? I mean, the lyrics seem to be very specific. Like there are a lot of pronouns. Is that proper the nouns? Proper names. nouns. Names. Yeah, they have lots of names. I think they have really cool melodies. They're very melodic. But they do a type of music that I feel like you don't hear as much anymore, which is they'll do these poppy sort of lyrics, these love songs that are kind of, I don't want to say trite, but a little trite. But they're backed up by like sometimes these pretty like rocking guitars and there's like extended guitar solos that you don't hear in that style of music anymore. Does Adam Dorowitz play instrument? No, or at least he didn't. He's just the singer. And songwriter. songwriter. I noticed there's also a lot of, at least in this desert life, a lot of keyboard. There's a lot of like keyboard driven songs. That was album. Somewhat new to that. I think on the second one too. The second one had uh, a long December, which was a huge hit. songs that I knew were Mr. Jones, mm-hmm. Hanging Around, okay, and Accidentally in Love. So after those three albums that I really liked, their first three albums, which spanned, at least in my short life, from like third grade to, you know, I was a junior in high school. When I went to college, they put out an album called Hard Candy. And I remember I bought the album, was excited and was like, yeah, I'm going to, I liked these guys. And I listened to it once and was like, I don't think I like this anymore. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I couldn't help but notice that you only suggested that we listen to albums from the 90s. Yeah, so there's also, there's one other album that I didn't give you, which is, shows off kind of what I think's cool about them, or one of the things, is they did a double live album that they had done an acoustic set on VH1, and then they had done an electric set on MTV. And they had a lot of the same songs, but they were done both ways and with different lyrics and things like that. That was one that I played nonstop. Just yesterday, she was here. Somebody tell me if I am sleeping Cause someone be with me here Cause I don't wanna be alone But yeah, after that, I kind of fell out. I tried just recently, within the last few days, listening to a couple of their newer songs. And they're all right, but I think that's why I'm saying that part of it to me really is that nostalgia of half those songs I can distinctly remember like moments in my life of listening to them or 
having them stuck in my head when I was like on a date with somebody freshman year of high school. And so I think that is a big, big part of it. But I also think that for all those bands that I listened to back in the 90s and early 2000s, Counting Crows are one that I still think that the musicianship stands up, even if I'll totally give you that the lyrics are a little corny. <laughs> so when you go back and listen to those first three albums, you still like them. You you still think that they're good quality yes, stuff. I do. I will say just to be clear, it's not all nostalgic things that I think that about because there are definitely bands that I'm like, oh yeah, this thing sucked. I don't know why I played the hell out of that record. Well, the reason we connect with music is because it's sort of like smell in some ways. Like it just makes you think of the time when you heard it first and we were listening to it obsessively. I guess my question is, Sean, are you a music person? Because I am not. Uh, Neither I, am I. Yeah. So like for me, I got more sucked into reading about Adam's tumultuous mental health. Like I was more interested in like storytelling aspect of how his character came to be and what made him the artist that he is than listening to the actual music. That's just who I am and what artistically like is more interesting to me. I mean, I definitely think I'm a music person. Like to the point though, when both of you guys said like, oh, we're not really into music. It like boggles my mind. Like that somebody, it just feels like such a natural thing to me of like, well, of course everybody, but I think music is so, there's so much out there. Like I feel like more than most forms of entertainment, the fact that I can say like, oh man, I really like music, but there are like full genres that I have not even heard of means that there's such a big breadth of music out there that like I, I will fall into grooves where like for the longest time and probably somewhat after the Counting Crows thing, but like going into college, like I completely dropped out of like modern music and everything I was listening to is like classic rock and classic 70s and 60s albums and then I kind of have gone back in and out so the stuff that I'm into now is maybe has a somewhat similar well, sort I of think, vibe, I think it but, does I think yeah. Bruce Springsteen which is your favorite yeah I love Bruce Springsteen I was gonna I'm say huge yeah Bruce Springsteen it's fan. not shocking that like a person who loves Bruce Springsteen may also love Common Crows They are songwriter-focused songs, but they can do kind of like pared-down sort of acoustic songs, but then also big, heavy band rock numbers. They both have, their songs tend to have like kind of a narrative to them. The boss, as people in the know call him, yeah, he yeah. writes a lot of kind of story songs, you know, that are still metaphorical, but have a story to them. Yeah, I think that. And I think also I'm really into like alt country or singer songwriter sort of music now that definitely is influenced. I know that we're not supposed to like him anymore. And so I will You're gonna stop. You're going to talk about R. Kelly oh, right now? No, no. Ryan Adams. <laughs> On his second solo record, his big album, Adam Duritz actually did vocals on one of the songs. And so there definitely was a crossover there. So I do feel like you can point to some things that I really like now and go like, oh, yeah, I guess Counting Crows were kind of scratching that itch for me. And maybe like they were a gateway drug a little bit. And also like Adam Jurvitz lyrics do 
spend a lot of time in a space that a lot of white males music doesn't doesn't dedicate that space for that which is like emotions and really going through memories and emotional pain and things like that it feels like crowning crows creates that safe emotional space for that type of listener i gotta rush away she said i've been to boston before anyway this change i've been feeling doesn't make the rain yeah, I mean, it definitely, like, I give it shit as, like, calling it, like, mopey or whatever. But, yeah, but it was more in tuned with emotions and emotional feeling than, not to keep going back to Eminem, but just who I was thinking of. Like, in that time, it was Eminem. It was, like, there was the whole pop punk movement, which was very kind of jokey songs. And, you know, there was a lot of that. And Counting Crows were way on the other side of that. And then actually going back to being into music, I'm a very shitty guitar player, but I've played guitar for a really long time. I'm just not, it doesn't click. How often do you pick it up? I would say that I actually play more now than maybe I did as a kid because there's an acoustic guitar like in our living room and I'll like pluck the same couple chords. But the first song I learned, no shit, was a Counting Crows song. And this was before I even really liked them. But my dad is an audio engineer, so all of his friends are musicians. And so when I said I wanted to learn guitar, one of his friends who was a guitar player was like, hey, I'll give you a lesson. And so one day sat down with me while my parents were like hanging out with his girlfriend or something. And he taught me round here. Step out the front door like a ghost into a fog where no one notices the contrast to white on white. In between the moon and you, angels get a better view of the crumbling difference between wrong and right. What I got interested in researching Counting Crows was this is when I started feeling more connected to the band, when I was finding sort of the backstory of his mental illness and how he struggles with dissociative disorder and how he doesn't see the world, like he doesn't experience the world from eye perspective, but he sees it as a, a film projected in front of him. And so based on that, a lot of characters that keep coming up in his songs, like Maria, that is recurring characters in his songs, are manifestations of himself. I am hearing all of this for the first time. <laughs> Does it unlock that craft that he's creating in any way for you? I mean... I will say that in listening to County Crows again, there's always this voice in the back of my head that's like, these lyrics are kind of corny. <laughs> so, so I mean, I there are things about it that I really like, and I'm, I there are lyrics I'm like, ah, oh, that's a pretty clever turn of phrase or something. But and maybe it's just because when I first listened to it, I was you know like 14 and was like, yeah, he gets it. It's fucking brutal out there for like a nice guy who's got feelings and doesn't know how to play sports. And now I'm like, eh, fucking grow up. But, uh, you know, I didn't know he he saw his life as a movie. He still does. Still does. Now, That's how he gained weight, apparently, from psychoactive drugs. And huh. um, he had dreadlocks, too, I think. Or he, he, had, he had weird does. hair. Very he still does. F- yeah. Famous dreadlock haver. White, White dreadlock yeah. yeah, He's on the list, probably toward the top. Probably yeah. number one. And that makes me think of other bands that were popular in like the 2000s for like Korn and like 
everything was just very heavy and in your face. And not that there, there was the Smashing Pumpkins. There were more emotionally bands, but uh, I think that they were doing something a little bit different than what a lot of pop music, popular music. Now, Sean, what do you think, from your perspective, what does the general population think of the Counting Crows? I think they get a bum rap. I think they come across as like this sort of corny, one-hit wonder, songs written by Mm 14-year-olds. I mean, there's part of me that goes like, yeah, it is a little corny. But I think that they are really good at what they do and they put a lot of effort into it in a way that I think maybe goes by underappreciated in that they're solid musicians. There's some really good work. They make some good songs that connect with you at a certain time of your life. And I feel like anything that connects with people at the point of like, I don't know, 10 to 16 years old, almost without a doubt, I feel like gets shit on later. Or gets shit on by people who are older. Like Green Day kind of gets this, like, that's kids music. Blink-182, which was a pop-punk thing. Like, all the things. And I feel like maybe part of that is people are embarrassed about who they were at that age. Or just view themselves as so much more mature now that they can't really accept that anything that they liked back then was good. Although I don't think that extends to, like, movies for some reason as much. Like, I also, around that same time, I saw movies like Pulp Fiction, which still hold up and, you know. Like, I mean, but give me a break. Like, Pulp Fiction doesn't get the same rap Counting Crows does. No, you're right. But also, you know, Pulp Fiction was a rated R movie. The intended audience was not teens or, like, pre-teens, you know. Sure. Certainly people see it at that age, but I think that had the benefit of being, you know, accessed by... A whole range of people of different ages at that time, but also probably so was Counting Crows. You know, I'm sure there were adults who were listening to Counting Crows at the time. My aunt, right? She was Pam. 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 Pamela, who did not go to the concert and is still alive and is still alive, but not in the room with us. She did, though. I do remember she was married to a guy, who, Adam Duritz. Not Adam Duritz. Um, she was married to a guy who would win tickets, like off of radio stations. He was like had some way that he knew right the right moment to call and like one shit all the time. And so he won tickets to go see Counting Crows on like an earlier, a previous tour and had gotten them front row tickets. And I remember her distinctly saying something that stuck with me where she said, I was so close. Adam Duritz was spitting on me while he sang, you know, it was like, how cool is that? And even at, you know, the age of like 12, I was like, that's, fucking disgusting dream come true i don't want any of my heroes to spit on me except obama <laughs> but i but i do agree that music is something so much more personal in the sense that like if you talk about listening to a certain band over and over as a teenager somehow it feels more of a confession than liking a movie at that same age i definitely think that's part of it is that it feels like a piece of who you are and that's more revealing. And what is this, therapy? I think this is a type of therapy. Sasha, what did you think of your experience with the Counting Crows? What did you listen to? What albums did you listen to? I watched a few videos on YouTube. Okay. First thing I saw was Mr. Jones. Yeah. And I was sort of expecting to be like 
Mrs. Jones. Me and Mrs. Jones. Me and yeah. Mrs. Jones. Nope. Vibe. It was not that. Very no, different. it is not. No. Completely this different. This is how clueless I'm about music altogether. <laughs> and I was struck by how uncomfortable Adam seemed to be in that video. He's jumping around in front of a microphone. And I was like, this guy is like so tense right now. It did not seem like excited energy. It just felt like work. That was distracting for me. Again, it just probably speaks to the fact that I'm not like a music fan and I was more paying attention to his performance. <laughs> and then I listened to the Courtney Cox, uh, long, long December. December. Yeah. And then I found out he dated her at the time. But like mostly I did get sucked into just listening his different songs and really not connecting to most of them. So I would say Counting Crows to me doesn't do it, even though I was open to letting it do it for me emotionally. And I also felt like it was more country that I would like it, even though nobody like calls it a country music, but I felt there's certain twang in like his sure. performance. I do, there are like references referring to it as roots rock, which is kind of like a euphemism for kind of country inspired <laughs> rock when people don't want to say that. <laughs> Also, they're called alternative rock. And I was like, I don't feel like it's very alternative rock. But then they were like one of the first alternative rock right. bands. At that time, alternative meant something different from what it means now, which kind of alternative rock now is just kind of rock. Yeah, I think that that's that was the weird thing of like, I feel like out here, it's crazy. The types of songs that you would hear on an alternative station like K-Rock, whereas in nowadays yeah everything on an alternative station actually sounds somewhat more similar than the fact that you'd hear this on k-rock followed up by nirvana like that they coexisted is such a weird idea i also saw me. that mr jones video came out about the same time when kurt cobain died and adam connected the two events and i was like well nirvana is much better and more interesting <laughs> band that I heard of growing up in Siberia and I listened to them somewhat. <laughs> Other than that, I just felt like they more belonged to the 90s and maybe that college radio era. You know, it's hard to survive for more than 10 years for a band for sure. What about you, Steven? I, so I listened to This Desert Life. Yep. And then what's the, like, 96? Um, Recovering the Satellites. I listened to almost all of that. And I'd, I'd been familiar with the song Hanging Around, so... This Desert Life pops off right with that song, right? That's the first <laughs> thing that happens. So I was like, okay, cool. I know this. I was not familiar with any of the other songs. Not even on that Colorblind album. from the film Cruel Intentions? No, I've never seen Cruel Intentions. Oh, it's the 20th anniversary. That's what everyone keeps telling me. Walking down the street, people say, hey, mm -hmm. it's the 20th anniversary of Cruel Intentions. And I say, no, no, madam. It's the 20th anniversary of The Matrix. It's the same woman who keeps following Steven. <laughs> I know. It's my girlfriend. Yeah. Um, I could see if I had listened to that music at the time, you know, I wouldn't have been listening to it at the time it came out because I was four. But if I had listened to it when I was a kid, I think I probably would have gotten into it too. Nowadays, the music that I do listen to is like musical soundtracks. Because I like something that you can sing along to. You know, I like to sing in the shower. I do like musical soundtracks as well. <laughs> I do listen to occasional Sweeney Todd um, mm -hmm. soundtrack. Yeah. That's not the only thing I listen to. They have some weird bands that I tend to listen sure. to. Sure. Yeah. You know, I have my specific taste. But in terms of a genre, I guess musicals are the thing that I tend toward. And there are elements of that in this, 
you know, like the melodies kind of feel at times like musical theater melodies. And also one thing that makes it feel accessible too is, well, I don't think Adam Duritz is a very good singer. And so it gives you this feeling that like, yeah, I could sing this and (laughs) I could maybe sing it better than him. So that's kind of fun. (laughs) So I will say my wife and I, Randy, Randy, sometimes she'll take my car and we never do it to your husband. Yeah, no. And it's, I have, you know, radio stations programmed in and uh, on Sirius, on satellite radio, there's Lithium, which is a 90s alternative and rock station. But there's also a station called On Broadway. And so whenever I get in the car after she's taken it, I turn it on and instantly it's on On Broadway and I like swipe on the screen to get back to fucking lithium 90s music. So it's we do have this same dichotomy that if, you know, Stephen and I live together, it would be the same thing. Mm-hmm. And we still could. I wouldn't let you drive my car. I wouldn't ask. Uh, all right, Sasha, what did you think of Counting Crows? So what would be a 10 to compare to? At the age of... You know, 14, what were each of you listening to? So I was really, really listening to The Doors, and I was really, really listening to Queen. And I was probably listening a lot to specifically The Wall album by Pink Floyd. I was listening to The Who and um, The Band. And um, probably around that time is probably when the American Idiot album came out, The Green Day. And that... Good so album. That is one of those type of albums for me that has very specific sense memory because my dad was working in Florida at the time and we went down there for the holidays to stay there while he was working and I brought that album and I brought a Train Live album and those were the only two things that I had to listen What's to. What's Train Live? Sorry. Train is a band. Choo, choo. Oh, oh, I thought it was just Sounds of Trains. Train is a sappy rock band. I mean, they are probably somewhat in the same vein as like a yeah, I yeah. can see them going on tour with Counting Crows. I agree. That's part of why I think I would probably go yeah. for them. Can I just to digress for one second? I have a good train story. Uh, now, are you talking about the band or are you talking the about band, the vehicle? Not the vehicle. Um, so my mom, since I'm into like classic rock and things like that, every once in a while she'll like write me a text and like, Hey, you know, Elvis Costello's on tour. Do you want to go see him or something? So she wrote, your mom, you went to see the Bruce Springsteen Broadway show with your mom. The yeah. two of you share a lot of music. Oh yeah. Every time I've seen Bruce Springsteen, I take her. Mm, that's um, beautiful. I know. It is very beautiful. Is she a fan of Adam Dorvis? I do distinctly remember listening to Long December with her. Well, so keep in mind, Sasha's not asking if she's a fan of the Counting Crows. Good just Adam Durant. Does she like his I hair. don't know if she could pick him out of the lineup, actually, even with that hair. But anyway, she sent me a text and was like, hey, Train is coming to the Hollywood Bowl. Do you want me to get tickets? What year was this? This was probably like three, four years ago. And I, you know, I don't really like them. But I was like, but, you know, she's into them. And so I was and like, she was about to start raising your child for you. So exactly. You were, yeah. <laughs> so I just wrote back like, yeah, sure. Sounds like fun. And I think she had said a thing like I found some cheap tickets or something. So I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, we'll have a nice night together. But for some reason, she took that as like I was a big fan. So then like for the next like couple weeks, she'd bring it up constantly. She'd go like, hey, do you have the new Train album? Like, what does it sound like? Is it good? And like was talking to me like constantly about the band Train. But I didn't have the heart to tell her. 
oh, I don't really like that. Is this when she finds out? Yeah, this is how she's going to find out. (laughs) Yeah, this is... Mom, you only have to listen to the last 10 minutes of this podcast. (laughs) Basically, Randy or your mom should not be listening to this podcast. I love how you guys think that my family supports anything (laughs) creative that I do. Um, But no, I could totally see Train being on the same bill as Counting Crows. So yeah, you would have probably liked them, Stephen. Please don't rate them for me. I'll do that my <laughs> fucking self. But I'm hearing that, I'm you. actually curious, Stephen, to start with you because sure. if Train is closer to Counting Crows than, say, Queen or The Doors would yeah. be, then where is Train for you on that 10 scale? Okay, well, so here's the thing. I listened to that Train live album. <laughs> this is Train. It's becoming a Train podcast. <laughs> I listened to that album dozens of times on that trip because, again, it was one of the two albums I had. But I never pursued Train outside of that context. You know, I didn't get any other Train albums. They're not, like, one of my faves. You know, they're not on my list. But that's why I want to see where Train is, not even being familiar with Train, per se. I was just curious, where is Train? Like, where would I rate Train on a 10-point scale? From the perspective now or as that... 14 year old i think now so that we can compare it to your perspective of counting crows today five okay and then 10 would be the who the who the band and john williams okay where (laughs) is counting crows on that scale for you steven counting crows i'll put them in a six i'll put them in a six higher than train I like it. I think I would have gotten more into the Counting Crows than I did Train had I listened to it at the time. And like, you know, these songs are pretty catchy. Look, I know nothing about music theory, so I can't tell you anything about like the musicality of a song or anything like that. But it does seem like you do sing musical theater. So you have more connection to music than, say, I do. I yeah, I can imitate notes that someone else does. Good enough. Yeah, <laughs> close enough. So, yeah, it seems like there's some interesting stuff going on there. You know, it's not like Sondheim-level musical magic, but, uh, I yeah, six seems like the right place for me because I don't think they're actively bad. Well, that's comforting. They're not actively bad. They might be passively bad. So I would say that if The Doors is a 10 for me... So you right now, mm-hmm. as Sasha Filer, the adult... Mm-hmm. The Doors is a 10 for you? I, I mean, it's not my favorite band today, but okay. I'm just trying to look at the bands that I listened to at the time. I'm going to say, looking back at Pink Floyd that I listened to when I was a kid, I would say now that that's a 10, and I really loved it. So it works for both my younger and current versions. And Queen would be like an 8 or 9, because there are some songs that I don't love, but most of them I do. But I'm going to say that Counting Crows would be a generous four for me. Wow. That is a low. generous four. A generous four, because mm-hmm. I wanted to say three, but then I was like, I'll give it a four. Did you decide to do it a four after I gave it a six? No, after I looked at Sean's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I tried to grab onto a song, like what, what they did for you with liking the melodies and really connecting to the hooks sort of the melody. I did not find that working for me. And I'm often a 10th time listener to like a band. Like I don't often fall in love with a song right away. Like it takes time. Like I'm a slow lover of music. I just didn't really immediately connect to almost any songs. There was a reason of four days that one song that I kind of liked, but I felt like, again, there's other bands very similar, like R.E.M. that I would, uh, connect emotionally to their songs much faster your experience is valid 
Thank you for that. Sean, it's time for you to rate the Counting Crows. I want you to give your honest reaction, but also keep in mind, if it's not a strongly positive rating, I'm going to be very upset. Then this podcast will be deleted. Yes, this is the whole point of the show. (laughs) I will open by saying... Just give me an estimate. How long is this going to be? Ten minutes. I can agree with Steven that if somebody said to me, like, they're a six... I'd go like, okay, like to a to a person that doesn't have the history that I do with them, the nostalgia associated, I think six is maybe a fair unbiased opinion. Unburdened from the cultural yeah. context of people making fun of Adam Dirt's hair for the last 25 years. Yeah. Whereas I'd say if I look at bands that I love now and I hold in high regards as like my nines and tens would obviously be, obviously be Bruce Springsteen. Led the Zeppelin. The E Street Band. Yeah. Even bands that I like now, like the Avett Brothers or Jason Isbell or people like that, that I'd probably put up pretty high, Wilco. Are they similar to the genre of that music? Because like the bands I like now are very different. So yeah, I would say that the more I thought about it, the more I could, you know, they're a little more twangy, a little more country, a little bit. Especially now I feel like there's so many synthesized instruments. Which I love. Which I hate. <laughs> And so just alone, like you can like toss out like half of modern music. I really don't like drum machines or keyboard sounding keyboards. I like four piece rock bands. What do you think of like, I don't know, Tame Impala? I honestly have maybe heard one Tame Impala song and was like, okay. What about Beach House? I've literally bands, never heard a Beach House this song. This literally in my the life. bands that I automatically connect with when I hear them. What about Winnetka Bowling League? Are you a oh, big Winnetka Bowling League fan? Too Becky for me. Um, but no, I'd right. say. I'd put Counting Crows at like, I want to say between a seven and an eight. I felt like when you said to come on, like if I said like, what, what band do you fucking love? I'd go like Bruce Springsteen. I've seen him 10 times. I, I feel like a lot of people like Bruce Springsteen and a lot of people like him more than I do. Every time I go to a show and I'm talking to somebody and I'm like, I've seen him 10 times and I'm like, that's crazy. And I talk to someone who's like, oh, this is my 10th time this tour where I feel like Counting Crows is something where you don't get a lot of people going like, oh, yeah, I'm a big fan of these guys. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, that Mr. Jones song. So I think there is something maybe more personal about how I like them. And just like honestly looking back and kind of connecting those songs to moments, even if they weren't like great moments, it is just it is a sense memory sort of thing that I'll accept your 7.5. In my mind, I will round it up to an 8. I do actually have a question, Sean. Like, yes. Do you think the fact that, you know, you don't have to defend Bruce Springsteen, the boss, in front of anybody, but you do sort of have to, in what, is what you're doing here, yeah. defending Counting Crows, make you more passionate about it? No. <laughs> okay. And that's, and that's good. That's not an obscure perspective then. Uh, no. Look, I, uh, this podcast is all about yeah. honesty and positivity. No, if anything, it makes it more of a unique thing to like them. Like, I think there is something, something personal about liking something that other people don't like, because it is a little bit harder. I don't think you have to be more passionate, but I do feel like you don't have to defend Bruce Springsteen. The fact that you have to defend this means that you have to look at it maybe a little bit more analytically. But I also do have to defend Bruce Springsteen sometimes from people, because like I said, music, there's so many bands, there's so many tastes that like, if I have a friend who's way into Radiohead, sometimes I have to defend Bruce Springsteen to them because they're like, oh yeah, he's that. Even my wife was like, oh God, is that guy who wears jean jackets? 
And it's like, yeah, I get wow. it. Like, you can caricature We're learning a lot anything. about uh, Sean's relationship. My marriage? With his yeah. Wife, we can keep going. How often do you listen to Counting Crows now? I'd say Be probably honest, twice a month. So every other week or so. And I drive a lot. That's fair. Back in the day, I had a book of CDs. And, like, it was a big deal. Like, I'd buy a CD and I'd listen to the shit out of it. Now, with, like, Apple Music... I literally can listen to anything that's ever been fucking recorded. You pay nine ninety nine a month. I do. <laughs> Shoutouts to Apple Music, our sponsor for nine ninety nine a month. You say <laughs> you for all the music you could ask you for. Want. But wow. the thing about it, though, is I feel like it's made me a little bit less of a fan of things, and I feel like streaming and with movies, the same thing. Like I. Sometimes it's hard for me to listen to something I've already listened to because I'm like, well, I should probably find something new mm. or may I should try and chase down this album or something like that. So I'll say that listening to a band twice a month is a pretty decent amount of time. Are you more for, of a music uh, listener in the car or are you more of a podcast listener? I go back and forth, but it's not podcasts. I do. I, there's one po- two podcasts I listen to. I listen. My commute's about an hour each way. So I listen to books on tape i do too because i like a podcast the problem is is i can listen to like two and a half whereas a book on tape like i it i can rip through a book in like two weeks a book on tape for me if i stop paying attention for a second i'm totally lost i can't do them i would love to do i love books on tape and especially at a 1.25 speed i mean this is just (laughs) i've never done that i should try that saves the time (laughs) but i have my thing is i have so much time all right. And on that note, of You're Sean living the perfect life. I, yeah, my two-hour round-trip commute is... Mwah. Sean, what do you want to plug? I guess Zero Sum, which is a video game for the Apple iPhone and iPad. You can find it on the App Store, Zero Slash Sum. It's two bucks and half the money goes to charity. Is there an improv group <laughs> that you're part of? Oh. Ah, I forgot again like at the top and the bottom. A bi-monthly opportunity for people yeah. to see them. So as often as I listen to Counting Crows, which is twice a month, every other Thursday. No, don't say that. Okay. That is not what it is. The first. No. Nope. The second and fourth Thursday of every month, my improv group, Direct to Video. Hour is performing at the Moving Arts Moving Theater. Arts Theater in Los Feliz Silver Lake, California. Ish, California. On Iberian Avenue. Nine o'clock. Nine PM, second and fourth Thursday of the month. Come see us. It's free. Sean yeah. does amazing janitor characters. And, I do. And serviceable lights. And you know what? After this airs, I will, because I do the lights and the sound, I will make all Counting Crows playlist for one Ooh, show. That sounds fun. Thank you, Elizabeth Salute, for artwork. Mm, thank you, Andrew Hayworth, for our theme music. Thank you, Jay Hunter, for production support. And, and thank you for listening. Oh.